Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Into the Bytecode. Today, I sat down with Matthew Chaim. Matthew's building a laboratory, experimenting at the edges of music and Web3. It's called SongCamp. And right now, they're running their third immersive experience. They're coming together with a group of musicians, visual designers, developers, and at the end of this process, we'll be releasing new music under the moniker of a single headless artist called Chaos. I've personally been completely nerd sniped by SongCamp and think it's one of the coolest things I've come across in the ecosystem in recent memory. And so with that, I'll, I'll say no more and I'll leave you to the conversation. SongCamp, we call it a Web3 laboratory experimenting at the edges of music and this new internet. And so we run things called camps twice a year. And our camps are like the flagship experiments that we're running within that laboratory. And they are kind of, yeah, the birth child, the smushing together of a songwriting camp mixed with a Web3 hackathon. That's somewhat of like a so, sort, of, sort of watered down version of what it is, because it's not just musicians and, and devs, but it's kind of runs the gamut on different mediums. Like we have a visual team, we have a podcast team going, we have we also are doing writing. So it's Which kind of covering awesome, a lot of- awesome, by the way. I've, I've listened to both episodes. Oh, sweet. Wow, you've yeah. really gone down the rabbit hole. I love oh, it. Oh yeah, no, uh, it's, it's a very so fun, fun podcast. Like even, oh, great. and I think there, there's this bit where it's like recorded voices from a whole bunch of people who say chaos and, and it just yeah. kind of like puts yeah. you into like, oh my God, this is, this yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite moments. The murmurations that Levi on the chaos radio team has been uh, devising up every week during our like camp white calls, which have been super fun. Um, they're the even further evolutions of what we're creating. So, so for instance, like when we say like, you know, we create these, these cohorts to go and do these experiments, it gives, artists the freedom to create and also create new collaborations with new people. And you're no longer Matthew Chaim or, or your artist name putting out music, but you're sort of like immersed in this new group of people and you're creating art together. And what comes out is really the product of, of what you're creating together. It's not any one of your things. I think in like the web two world, you know, I, I experienced songwriting camps. It's one of the, like, they really opened my eyes to my creative potential. And that's why I sort of carried that name into into this project, but they sort of stopped at the creation phase. We sort of had this creative explosion, but then none of that, like the artifacts of that explosion will come out into the world. More often than not, they would just sit on hard drives. How yeah. does a songwriting camp in the old days work? So, well, they still run this way in, in a lot of places, but, and, and like, they're a lot of fun. I mean, going to an IRL songwriting camp is like one of my favorite things to do. And yeah, like the ones that I've been on at least, there's kind of different, some have like specific goals or whatnot, but the ones I've been on have been pretty open-ended in that they just curate a group of artists and producers, you know, songwriters, vocal artists. And, you know, let's say for one, I, the, the one I did that really impacted me big in 2017, it was a destination camp in Nicaragua. And we had a week where we, we worked Monday to Friday. So we had five days and each day you were paired with a new group of people and you'd sort of, each producer had their own studio and the vocal artists and songwriters would would sort of shuffle around and every day you'd be in like a new group and you'd have that day morning to evening to create a song maybe we had like 10 hours and um back then i thought that was like an impossible feat i was used to working only in montreal with like a select few producers and we would take like weeks if not months to create anything but here it was like thrown into a structure of like five days you're going to be a part of creating five songs wow. and i was like 
bewildered by the fact that we actually did that and amazing music came out of it. But then we sort of all went our separate ways. And while we were really excited about the music and I thought all that music was going to come out naively, you know, 99% of it never made it out in, in any sort of commercial release. And I think for a few reasons, one, it, it gets stuck in this thing we call the music industry and splits and pubs and labels and blah, blah, blah. But the other one is sort of this conditioning around what the artist looks like. And this kind of gets to more of the question you're asking about this personified chaos that is like this headless band is like, I'm sort of motivated or incentivized to create music that I'm going to put out under my own artist project so that I can get famous so that I could actually live off of my craft, you know? And if I make this song on a songwriting camp, that doesn't really sound like my sound anymore. It sounds like my sound crashing into all these other people. Mm. I'm like, I love that song, but like maybe I should try and get it placed in the music industry. I can't put that out as Matthew Chain. It's too weird and too out of my right. field for my brand. Here, we're sort of like becoming free away from that, that thinking because not only are we creating in this explosive way, but we're also like releasing it as that explosive collaboration. And in so doing, we're not any one of our artists anymore. We are this evolved sort of being. We're this network and we're releasing that stuff together. So I think in Camp Genesis, we felt that way. We felt the freedom of that. In Camp Electra, our second camp, we started to move more into that because we, 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 we created this songwriting camp and it sprouted out of a world, a lore yeah. and a narrative that we built in this fantasy world called Planet Electra. And we put the music out through that story. So in that way, we were sort of leaning into the outlet being a part of this network. And then this time we're leaning maybe ever more into it by creating this headless artist that is chaos. And it's like this one figure, no longer like a kind of world or lore, maybe that too, but it's like we can almost feel into this figure called chaos. But if you open its head and look inside, there's like 80 people inside there, Yeah, you know? working out, working it all out. I've noticed that you incorporate this kind of metaphorical imagery and like, you know, you, you engage the imagination through mm. the, the names that you're giving to things, right? Even the acts for this latest song mm. camp of their called mm. like order, disorder, you know, yeah. chaos, yeah. Um, the, you know, Electra being its own world. Is that something you're doing intentionally? Like you could have very easily called this camp, I don't know, season three and these act right. one, two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a balance of intention and just naturally. Like I also spent a lot of time as I was like pursuing my music career, also doing improv, um, improv comedy. Oh. I got very involved in improv. And so like, I, get, I guess in some ways I got used to like telling stories on the fly and like making these sort of things up out of thin air. And I think like in some ways that's necessary in the space of like, it's very ethereal. Everything's very ethereal. Like even when we say like, oh yeah, we're running a camp. We're running like a zeitgeist cohort. It's like, it's like, what is that? Like, where right. is it? It's like, you know, like people like discord, like what is happening? Where is this thing? You can't like grab it almost. Totally. Uh, putting, putting a clean label on things limits them by definition. Totally. Yeah. It like, it, it sort of like constricts it. And, but in some ways we want to create these sort of like containers to orient ourselves in this like vast space. And I think that's what we've learned over doing these projects in song camp is like by giving people a sense of sort of where they're at in a project, a sense of like the container of space, the team that they're working with, the times that they're working in. And I think by giving it its like own 
glorified, you know, scale of time, like acts or its own, like, you know, spaces with these teams that they're on or what have you. It helps like orient people and feel like they're really a part of something and they could and they know that th what their role is within it. And then the other part is just maybe I'm on the more like the other side is just, yeah, I guess kind of just from like an aesthetics perspective totally. or branding, like I just having fun with that. Yeah, I just love like personally, like the season thing, like I see a lot of the season thing, you know, so yeah. I just like get excited about using totally. our own terminology. And we're also creating in such white space. I think like right. by creating a, that's what you were kind of just saying right there. It's like, you put a new label on it. It's like, what is this thing? It's, 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 it's so open to our imagination. Totally. So that's like exciting. Yeah. I mean, naming is hard. Calling something season two is just, it's, it's just easy to do. And, and that's what we did for Zeitgeist because there were a hundred <laughs> other decisions to make. In the for meantime. sure. For sure. But yeah. I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. And especially when we're like kind of, I mean, if you are trying to go into unexplored territory and and explore the space that that hasn't been explored before, using this more imaginative language can just be an aid to that process, right? It's like totally. I think images pack way more kind of like information in them than like clean labels do. They touch something in yep. your in your heart and spirit, right? I think like also on this on this point is like something we spoke about as we were designing Camp Chaos was like, there's kind of this analog to, you know, Camp 2, Camp Electra was almost like us putting on VR glasses, right? We were really going to this other world, this fantasy land called Electra where music is energy and this planet is dying and we have to go there to save it with our music. It was like fully diving into the lore of something. So it was like we were putting on VR glasses, going to another world. And then for Camp Chaos, we decided, what if we, instead of put on VR glasses, we just put on like, AR sunglasses. And we like stayed in web three land because just the process of what we're doing here, there's lore. It's crazy here. enough, yeah. Yeah, like we don't need to go away from this. So we decided let's just like soak this like fragrance of lore in everything we're doing rather than needing to go to this other world. So we're still like, we're building this headless band. It's in web three, you know, we're, we're doing things here and telling that story in chaos radio, just trying to like soak it in as much lore as possible. Totally. And so to this point of, okay, you, you as a musician are, uh, the, the goal isn't for you to have some artifacts that you can point back to as something you cleanly produced on your own as an individual. It's you're, you're co-creating something with this group and it's going out under the name of chaos. Even the kind of incentive structures that you've put in place of using, you know, set, like I mean, we can get into this in more detail, but an artist kind of self uh, rating their their yeah. level of contribution and then using coordinate to do that. Like all of those things are putting people into this mindset of I'm a part of this collective. And it's like, how much did I contribute to this collective rather than, um, you know, another way that something like this could have been run, which is like, who like did the best, right? Like who yeah, contributed yeah, yeah. Right. the most? It's really like not putting people into that sort of a mindset. Yeah. I mean, that was a big part that we learned also from camp two, because we went the other way. We hadn't gone all the way here, right? This fully network of one way, especially in the incentive models, where it was more like the art that you're making, you're attached to the value of that art. And then therefore we had to like build all these bespoke sort of 
pies that were split amongst the artists creating those. And that created a whole lot of friction because we're sort of doing this sort of emergent network-based co-creation, but we're still playing in like these traditional ways of like exposing ourselves to the value of our work. And like an example of that is like, you might have an audiovisual piece, like an NFT being created by both the sound design team and a visual team. Those teams are working separately and then like plugging their pieces into each other. And there might be like four people on one side, five people on the other who are gonna be exposed to that piece. And suddenly you have two different teams with different like microcultures now having to split a hundred percent pie and it gets real. And then you bring money involved. Like it gets very difficult. And then you have to do that 12 times. You know, we said like, let's throw all that out and let's just create one big pie. And you're just explode. You're exposed to the network, the network's value. And then we're sort of dynamically splitting that value through these me mechanisms of self rating our work plus rating the work of others by through the coordinate flow. And so it's an imperfect system. I just, before here got off like a two hour call where we're starting to think through, you know, we have a 10% uh, allotment to make up for mistakes in this imperfect system. So we're starting to think through, okay, how are we actually gonna do that as we get to the end of this camp? But like, it's an imperfect system, but I think like you said, it does sort of help people, uh, yeah, really feel like they're a part of this like bigger whole and I think for most people, um, the experience is just like exciting enough and all of this is sort of like value on top of it. And, and, and most people I think are really enjoying, enjoying that. Um, but there's definitely like areas where the system is not perfect. Uh, using coordinate and self-selection is definitely not perfect. There's right. flaws in that design system that you can't even account for, but we really just went for like a flat design. We said, let's remove the central decision-making because Every system we incorporate is going to be imperfect, but in this one, yeah. you can't even orient yourself to what equitable means. There is no canonical right. equity. Like no one. Has I mean, said especially when it comes to art, right? Because it is subjective at the end of the day, too. Totally, totally, and like that's why you know at first we're like, okay, maybe we'll do this system, but we'll actually split these amounts based off of. The musicians, this, the yeah. Dance, what this, what the were this. what were some of the models that you considered? Yeah, what was the evolution to Song Camp Three? Well, at the end of like Camp Two, we did use coordinate for the first time, sort of at the end of like this gratitude flow, right at the end of camp, and we realized like, oh wow, like people really resonated with that over all of that friction, full splitting we were doing during camp. So we knew we wanted to lean more into that direction, but during pre-camp design we thought about doing coordinates, but we would create circles such that they were more team specific. So you'd have your musicians here, your devs here, your visual here, and we would allot different percentages to each. But then we're thinking like, man, then we're gonna have to make this early sort of ossified decision on like what value is where, and you have to account for how many people are here versus how many people are here. And it sort of like restricts the emergence that can happen. That really happened in camp one, two, where we had, allotted those, defined those at the beginning of camp, and suddenly all this urgent work started out. For instance, we didn't expect like a script writing team to form during camp two. We didn't mm. think of that at the beginning of camp, but suddenly that need arise and it did form. And those people ended up feeling like they were undervalued because the system wasn't designed for it. Here we've designed, like we removed that and we just created one big circle with all 80 people in it. And so no matter what happens, whether new teams form and new pods happen, and this person starts working more, it's just all within one circle. That comes with its own challenges, right? Going through 80 people 
and splitting up your 1,000 gift tokens, that's a challenge. Um, right. Getting 80 people to do their coordinate circles on time, especially <laughs> when four cycles over eight weeks talk about coordinate fatigue, you know? So it's like, and it's kind of, and it's tough for the ops team, you know, chasing people down right. to like get their own money is like kind of frustrating right. after like the eighth or ninth time you're hitting them up. So there's definitely like, you, you, you sort of like shove, you, you remove all of those sort of decisions from some central early party and you put all of that responsibility on the network. And so there's like excitement that comes with that. There's also challenges that come with that. One person sort of like doing it willy nilly and maybe kind of screwing right. it up and not giving to the people they're working with, the people that they worked with just got screwed, you know? So it's like the responsibility is shared by the network. Super exciting, also brings its own challenges. Wow. Yeah, and so how how is that playing out? Like, how has it been using coordinate in action so far? So you're you're towards the end of Act Two now. We finished Act Two, so yeah. So we're we're actually almost. So it's funny, like the coordinate and value flow stuff has been lagging. Like it's taking long to finish. So we're yeah. actually next Tuesday we'll finish Act Three, be going into Act Four of Cam. Yeah. Um, but the value flow. Like we, we are probably sending act two distributions today or tomorrow. So like yeah. people just finished doing their act two coordinate and like, we're going to have to turn on act three next Monday. So it's like, and it's, it's difficult, right? Because they're giving for act two, but they're already in act three. And so there's like a recency bias. Like you're going to totally. give for act three, even though you're supposed to only give for act four. So staying in line has been difficult. And, you know, and because of that, and we feel it, you know, and also brings up there's all these personal emotions that come up totally. when dealing with this stuff. I've personally felt that as the coordinates going, I'm like, holy shit, like we have to fix the whole design. Everything's wrong. Like things are like, there's anomalies. It's very there. visceral, right? Comp always goes to like the, the heart of the matter in some ways. It, totally. It's like very intense, but like we keep trying to pull back and be like, let's, let's let the experiments run its course. Like any changes we make right now, like, they, there's a, I, I feel like there's a huge cost to it because we sort of like committed to this very emergent, very untraditional thing. Like we'll, we'll, we won't know what this experiment means if we don't finish it. And if we change, it's like saying this huge opinion, right? It's saying things are going wrong and this will make it better. And if it doesn't make it better, or even if it stays as like subjectively, it stays the same, I feel like it's net worse because we like, changed it and now people can be like oh that moment changed something and i don't know you know so i feel like i feel like but i i feel like globally again i feel like it's going well for most people but now we're kind of delving into we've decided now as we move towards like holdback design and how do we fix potential mistakes and, and do that we're actually going to go do one-on-one -on -one interviews with everyone oh um, wow we're going to split up like, and all the high context sort of guides and stewards are going to do one-on-one -on -one interviews. We're going to gain rich context, like above and beyond what we already have and be like, okay, like get a sense of where, and then we're going to come together and say, you know, but that's going to be a difficult conversation too, right? Um, totally. And, and do, going show. through a process like that, especially like as you're doing this for the first time can be a huge part of like the learning process for designing the next iteration of it. So that seems totally. totally worthwhile, like even beyond correcting whatever comp discrepancies there may be in this case. A hundred percent. And I really felt that viscerally in the planning for camp three, 
I would say like, ironically, Camp Chaos is way less chaotic than Camp 2. Um, <laughs> like we learned a lot. And I remember during Camp 2, I was like literally a chicken with my head cut off for most of it. And, but I just kept feeling like, okay, we're learning so much. We're learning so much. I was like holding on to that. We're learning so much. And then sure enough, like as we built Camp 3, I was like, oh my God, I really felt the gratitude of, of the learnings and mistakes. So we'll keep that going forward for sure. That's really cool. Yeah, tying, tying into this, it, around this question of centralized versus decentralized and allowing things to like bubble up from the bottom, bottom up or designing them from top down, right? Mm. How, how do you, because this is something I've thought through with Zeitgeist and I'm also evolving my thinking on it. How do you make decisions around who, who is a part of this in the first place? And then, and then the second part of that is how do you actually decide who is put onto these teams with each other? You're talking like who's put into the camps? How do we? Yeah, well, who who at a at a global level is a part of Camp Chaos? And then right. maybe as a separate question within within the camp, how are these like two week segments? How do people kind of get assigned between them? Is it just a totally like bottom up process, like find who you're vibing with and you go and work with them together? The containers are pretty uh, put in place. I think they're they're left emergent because we're like because of the value flow design. Like the network is open, so if you do form your own team, like there's ways of like valuing that. That's been its own challenge too. Some emergent things have happened where people are suddenly now on three different teams and they, but they still have the same amount of give. And so like, they feel like they're like, everyone they're working with gets less relative to other people because they're working with too many people. So that's happened. But mm. the actual teams have been designed pretty like sort of top down or at the beginning of camp. And people came into a system where they can really orient themselves, which we learned a lot in last camp is kind of really needed, especially in like a big network. You have people come in, like there were certain areas of last camp where it was really left kind of undesigned, bottom up emergent. And people were sort of just like, what are we here to do? Like, why, how, how do we contribute here? So really, yeah, like this camp, so every camp has been curated, right? People apply to the camps, they fill out an application form. And then every camp has been such a, like, we have one-on-one -on -one interviews and then we like curate into the camp. So it's very like high fidelity. We want to, you totally. know, get a vibe from everyone who's coming in. Can you play nice with others? Like, is there a good vibe there? And then also like, you know, quality of music and things of that nature are, are taken in too. And the first camp was really just, I mean, there's 26 people applied. It was just me, you know, um, doing that. And then the second camp was me, Mark and Brian, like three of us who curated the second camp. And then this last one, we had like over 160 applicants and we ended up creating a team of six, myself and five others, all camp alumni or people working like core on, on song camp. Um, I think it was like two of us were from both camp one and two, and then the other four were from camp two. And we formed like the curation team. And we sort of divvied up these people, especially on the music side. The other teams, we, it was sort of like a shared experience of going through our list. We also had to do a bit of outreach. There's way more musicians in our community than there are devs. So that it was a bit of a different flow there. But for the musicians, we sort of split that all up created short lists based off like music and, and, and catalog and stuff like that. And then booked one-on-one -on -one interviews, mainly with the people that we didn't know. Some people we already knew because they're in the community. And then through that, like sort of shortlist, and we somewhat had an arbitrary number to start, which was we are bringing in 36 musicians. 
And that was pretty arbitrary. And I presented it at the beginning and it was sort of like a number that felt like high because <laughs> it's a lot of people, but like not like we can't handle it. So it kind of felt like a million, but we sort of just went with it and we kept that constraint going. Um, we ended up then also accounting. We wanted to bring alumni musicians into this camp and stuff like that. So it ended up becoming a total, like a, a net of 45 musicians curated into the camp, 36 of them being like new or like, yeah, that sort of thing. And, and then That's also really being cool. in camp, we created teams. So we made it very clear at being in camp, there are six teams in uh, chaos and we gave them all names. They're all like chaos music, chaos visual, chaos build, chaos operations, chaos lore and chaos economics. Those are the six teams in this camp. And you're on one of those six teams. There's some people that like sort of like have a foot in each. For instance, our web designer is like kind of chaos visual and chaos dev. And then within music too, those bands, that's part of the chaos. They're kind of, what's interesting is they're contributing, of course, naturally they're contributing to like one of the centerpieces of the whole project. But the musicians are also going through an experience. They're also almost experiencing something as like a user, if you will. Right. That like, Everyone's kind of getting it, but mainly it's built for the musicians such that the songwriting camp is built in a way that things get more and more chaotic and it's lore soaked for them. So every other Tuesday when we have our camp wide call, we've presented either uh, a short film that's been created by the curation team or, no or like a piece of content that actually like soaks in lore the process of them being shuffled into new bands and then the formation of the teams and every Two weeks, it's gotten more sort of chaotic or more like um, like less structured, if you will. Wow. And so so with the 45 musicians, when you were kind of bringing, choosing who's, who's going to be a part of this, were you already thinking about who would kind of aesthetically match with each other and what these mini teams were going to be? Like, how are they like that process of creating something together in a short span yeah. of time. Like I imagine yeah. people need to have some creative chemistry, right? Yes. Well, this is like the thing that I think I had some instinct for, but also like it has been sort of confirmed for me in the, in the past like three camps is like musicians, especially and music as a medium, especially is like a highly collaborative thing. And it also, I think has a lot of, quote unquote, forgiveness or freedom within it, such that if you crash three musicians together and they just meet some level of a threshold of quality and ability, even if they're from wildly different genres, you can get something really, really interesting as the output. I don't think the same carries to other mediums. Like the way we now run visual runs very differently. People right. have very different styles, but we sort of have these kind of like graphic designers or aggregators who are like bringing together the styles and and being able to like shift them and mold them to make pieces that that fit an overall brand. Right. Like you can't sort of smush things together the same sort of chaotic way in visual that you can with music. So, but to answer your question, that's part of, been part of the game. So at the beginning, no, like we're just looking individually at artists. Like, is there music of that quality? Like, is it a vibe or, you know, that sort of thing. And then once we've curated in the 36 or the 45 rather, we then curated the teams for the first two weeks. And so, as you said, right, the first three acts or first six weeks, we have act one order, act two disorder, act three entropy. Those six weeks or those three acts are the weeks that music's being made. The songwriting camp runs for those three acts. 
In the first act order, day one, you were given your team curated by us, the curation team. Sort of like we are making the decisions that we did try and gel people together that we thought would aesthetically fit. In the second grouping, we um, turned up the randomization in the sense that within those, like, so we had 15 bands, right? Of three teams each. Yeah. We had three houses. So three houses of five bands. It was almost like mini song camps within the song camp. Wow. Every week you met with your house. Man, there's you so your much texture and depth so much. to this. I know. So with so with so within the houses you had fifteen artists. You had five teams. And that do the game, do the houses have names? They're just house A, house B, and house C. Okay. I wanted them to so, get. So there names. is a limit. There is a limit to the. <laughs> yeah. I wanted there to be a moment where like they had to create a name and use A or B or C as like the first letter of the name. Yeah. We just never, we never did it. But so yeah, there was a limit. It was house A, house B, house C with two guides each, 15 artists. And that created almost your sort of house, your, your, your family, your more intimate space to listen to your, the progress of your music and da, 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 da. In act two, also the, the, the lore soaked stuff is that Eris, who's the goddess of chaos in Greek mythology, she is the one doing everything to us to chaos. Chaos is her concoction. And so Eris shows up every two weeks and she's the one that pulls the switch on us. So that's so where cool. we're creating this, this sort of content or artwork to, to signify that. So in the second two weeks, Eris showed up and showed up with three different realities. And the, the houses had to choose which reality they wanted by eating an apple, whatever. They had, to, they had to click an emoji of a colored apple and based off that, they decided which uh, reality of randomized teams come about. But it was still house specific. So the houses stayed intact, but the musicians within the houses were now new bands. If that makes uh, sense to you. Yeah. Then in entropy. Well, what were the three choices? Like how how was how did the randomization <laughs> happen? Was it was it a literal like randomization or was it like it was literally you picked cacophony. Yeah. And so we're going to put together the people who just like are going to make crazy sounds. A little, like, I think we could have probably like even more so the, the exact, you know, randomizing agent a bit more. But we yeah. sort of just like for the first randomization. So for act one into two, we just took, let's say, house A. We took the teams within it and we created randomly. We just like chose patterns to create uh, completely new teams. But we did that three times. Got it. So there were three realities. In each one, people were working with new people, no matter what. But each one, you're working with different new people within your house. And did, did people get to see those three paths when they were choosing? No. No. Yeah. No. They just were given. So there's something actually called that. Uh, there's a story about the heiress, the goddess of chaos, a story called the apple of discord. So how perfect is that? It's the apple of discord. <laughs> so we dropped this image of of of, of Eris, along with this piece written by by Will, who's who's on the Chaos Curation team, but also a great writer, and he's kind of the one who has like, along with the rest of Chaos Curation, has like a vision for Eris's voice. He's kind of become Eris's voice somewhat. Wrote this piece of like, there are three apples of Discord for you to choose from. You could choose the apple, like the green apple of wisdom, the red apple of fortune, or the yellow apple of confidence, something like that. And they just had to collectively vote sort of like the most Dow stuff we've done. <laughs> they have to collectively vote as a house which apple they want to take a bite of. And that like shot out the team, that the, the new formation of teams. And then because two of the teams chose the wisdom apple, one of them chose the confidence apple, in act 
two to three, Harris showed up in video form this time and said, no one chose the red apple of fortune. And so now I will use like fortune to like randomize the teams or something. <laughs> will would explain it better. Oh my God. And but in video happened, form, you mean like animated, like cinematic of some length? So also on Chaos Creation is, is, is someone named Yada and she created this uh, sort of lorified video using just uh, like, yeah, it wasn't like, it was like kind of had some video effects and eventually showed the new teams. So and sick. she even like went on a hike and like took a bite of a red apple and like took videos oh of God. it and stuff. It was really cool. We're gonna put it out on, on the chaos mirror at some point. But what happened in act two to act three from uh, Disorder to Entropy is the houses were dissolved. So how house A, house B, house C no longer existed. And all the, the bands were now reshuffled chaos music wide. So you are now on teams of people that you haven't even met because you haven't been on calls with them. So it's no sort one of like, took the red apple. So now they, they get the full chaos thrown at them. That's it. That's it. That's it. Wow. It's, like, it's a whole thing to explain, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's beautiful. And so for Act 4, you said, what's the deal then? Act 4 is Rebirth, and it comes on Tuesday. Um, you don't. You also don't have to do any spoilers if you don't want to. This probably oh no, won't go out by Tuesday. We're we're also figuring out <laughs> what rebirth looks like because really the idea there is like um, the musicians have, have have fulfilled their tasks. This the music is finished, and we have forty five songs created within those first six, six weeks. And the idea is those last two weeks are really buffer for us to kind of put everything together and create this thing for an NFT release. It's looking like we might need a, a week or two more to just like actually get get launch live and all that, but. Yeah, rebirth is, uh, we're starting to take that term real, real seriously. And we have a call later today or tomorrow with the chaos curation team to lorify what it's going to mean to move into rebirth. We're sort of like, you know, building the, the plane as, it, as it's uh, on the runway here. But we kind of want to read, because the real idea here is like, we've ran an amazing production facility almost for the last six weeks. And now we're going to start to reorient ourselves to a network that wants to like roll this thing out in this right. amazing way. And so Rebirth will kind of look with, look like a reorientation of the network towards that. And we want to give, especially musicians who are now almost out of a job within chaos, other stuff that they can do to help with that rollout phase. So yeah, it feels like kind of like chaos doesn't end at the end of the camp. It sort of is born at the end of camp. So this Rebirth is starting to like, you know, we are reborn as one. We are reborn as the collective. Um, so yeah. that's the kind of the lore we're going for. Wow, I love that. It's it's. I mean, it's almost, it's definitely an art piece in its own right, right? It's like hearing you describe this process, it doesn't sound like you're building like an operational machine or like a business. You're, you're building like a participatory, like art experience that, that someone goes through. So it's a beautiful way of putting it, honestly. And, and I think it's also like speaks to the intention of chaos radio, you know, like, we, we kind of called the genre almost of what we're doing immersive digital theater in the sense that like the process of creating art is art. And now yeah. we are capturing it because we are distributed and we are doing it all online in calls like this and everything can be recorded. And so like you can actually capture the experience of what you're doing and Chaos Radio is the ability to document that and like try and spill some of that lore out into like the public forum. Yeah. Are you having fun? How, how is it like being in the midst of all this? 
it's good. It's it's definitely like a roller coaster ride. I would say it's yeah, it's quite volatile. Like it comes with moments of like deep gratitude and like surreal, like holy shit, what what's happening here? Also, just taking in the music, like the music's incredible. The visuals it's are so incredible. good. I mean, listening to the Chaos Radio episodes, I think especially the second one at the end, yeah. it said yeah. all of the songs on there were produced by the camp, and they're really good. Yeah, and we're also starting to do today. We're having our second Chaos Spaces at 6.30 Eastern. And we're starting to just like bring on some of the participants to talk about their experience and also play two or three songs during the space. So slowly teasing them out. What's also cool is we're starting to see now, especially you see like all these different teams creating all this different stuff, but we haven't yet seen it all come together, right? Really like the, especially the dev, the visual and the music, like they're all working on their own. And then as they converge and like plug in, I think it's just going to be like, oh, wow. Like I can't believe we made we collectively made this thing. But 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 also to answer your question on the feelings, it also comes with like crazy amounts of like intensity and overwhelm and just like trying to make sure, you know, and also recognizing like, even though it's a much flatter camp or network than than our previous, like I'm still very much a central node in it, but we have way more central nodes, which is wonderful. I get to work with more people. And also learning to like, you know, let go of areas, right? That yeah. I previously held on and did myself. And learning to do that and and really like yeah sharing the kind of experience of it all so it's it's definitely a wild ride and, and learning a I lot as we it. go i believe it how how do you think about this question of this being a digital gathering versus incorporating irl ingredients because mm. one of my one of my experiences with coordinating zeitgeist has been so to this point is primarily, it's like really been only virtual, right? It's like Discord calls, Discord calls, gather towns, like that's the yeah. whole vibe. But yeah. I've really like started to appreciate that uh, IRL is is like, it feels like very underrated. And even, totally. you know, when there's someone who's in Zeitgeist who's passing through town and we just get together for lunch, like that hour and a half long interaction totally changes the dynamic between the two of for us. Sure. Yo, so, dude, I, I feel that hard. I mean, MCON last year was my first time going on like to an ETH cool. you know, conference I was there or whatever. Too. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Missed you. Well, next time we're going to have to yeah, meet. But and it was my first time. Yeah. MCON was my first time meeting Mark, who I work with closest at Song Camp. And he's been around, like he's been part of it since the very beginning. And so like, you know, that was like that, like really impactful to actually get to meet in person. And since then, also like NFT NYC, we had like an IRL like studio. We like rented. We got actually. I just tweeted from the Song Camp Twitter, and like someone gave us a studio in New York for like the day, and we got a bunch of people together, and we just like made some music, and it was so powerful. So I think IRL is def definitely much, very very much in our future, and like yeah, really excited to plan stuff like that because it is like a whole different. Totally. You know, fidelity of experience totally how i'm thinking about maybe weaving it in for weaving it in for the next iteration of zeitgeist is to start with an irl maybe the first mm. week is everyone comes together in person and I you just that. like get to like meet people get to know each other and then you go remote yeah. for the rest of it that's really smart and, and we've said it so many times on, on calls and stuff especially with the ops in camp chaos because like so many of our problems in, and challenges in the camp would be relieved if we were just like all at a camp in yeah. real life together 
just meeting at flagpole every day to go over stuff because like totally. when you don't have that you have to rely on you know at everyone in discord or emails or forms or this and it's just like totally you're playing like the push notification game because you're not in the same room and so yeah would love to see what a camp looks like uh like totally. eight weeks something that in a, in a meaningful way merges the digital and the in-person i think there's probably a lot of room to explore there as well for sure for yeah sure. Uh, another thing i've been thinking through is how how do you think about like the contributors to song camp are they are they is this their full-time gig for this period or are they people who are contributing in some way because i think especially in the crypto space there's a good amount of like side project energy that you can you can plug into right, right? Yeah, and, yeah yeah and then especially if you're running something that's on a timeline and you want people to come in full time then it has to line up with their life right and and that's yeah. just kind of like narrowing the spectrum of who can participate um, totally yeah well at the beginning i mean of course it runs it runs a spectrum right there's people like myself it's like kind of 24 hour, just like focus. And then there are, but there are people on the long tail of like committing very small amount of time. Even, you know, some musicians are able to just like contribute to their song and like do their thing and let the rest play out. And, you know, they don't need to kind of plug in in other areas. So I think it definitely runs a whole spectrum. At the beginning of camp, when we were doing sort of interviews and stuff, we would tell everyone like, this is a project that you should be able to commit six to 10 hours a week to. Yeah, so that's what we kind of told everyone to. Some people have been able to stay within that range as they participate. Probably a lot of people, it's crept up higher than that. Some people, it's probably really crept up higher. But like, there's also a very, very strong intrinsic motivation, I think, from a lot of people who are stepping up in that way. And of course, there's external too. Like, we're, you know, we're all collectively exposed to the results of this camp, and we hope it goes super well. So. Totally. Six to eight hours a week is a, is a good range because it's, it's like above the threshold where you as a person who's saying yes to this, you're like, this is one of the main things I'm going to do in my life in this period. Right. Yeah. But it's yeah. also something that you can be like, okay, well, I got my job, but I can, I can still like do this on the weekend totally. and like, uh, yeah. 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 Where do you think all of this is going? Like how how do you think about the future of Song Camp? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think like I mean, it's been a lot of fun in not necessarily having that all mapped out. Like each like that's the beauty of like this micro macro almost of like the camps have like very clear output goals and like a very clear sort of like constraint and container to do things. But when you zoom out and look at Song Camp as a whole, it's sort of like we have this what, which is run like experiments at the edges of music and web three. Right. But there's not like even a declared why. It's sort of like the why is like curiosity, artist empowerment, freedom. Like it's not like to get to this thing. And it allows us to just have these stepping stones of camps to just keep exploring and like create sort of weird hypotheses. I think like, I mean, for me, and, and you put it so beautifully about like what this is, it's like this, it's this art piece almost, this immersive experience. Like I am fulfilled by this as an artist. You know, I'm able to, like today I have a session with a producer who I worked with a lot when I was fully focused on my own artist career. 
we're only plugging in together for an hour because I just don't have time outside of it. But the reason I'm now able to do that and still be gratified is because my creative muscles have not atrophied. Like I feel like I'm using them in this project. So to me, like that's the goal is just like to keep making art and it to feel like making art. Like one thing that comes to mind for me when you ask that question is like, how does this scale? Where does it scale? Does it need to scale? Like, what does the next camp look like? You know, to be honest with you, all I can really see is to the end of the year this year. And what that looks like is camp four in the fall. And so I'm starting very, very like, you know, 1% bandwidth thinking, what does camp four look like? And then also what does the song camp network look like? I tend to stay away from the language around DAO to refer to it. Again, kind of what we were talking about, about labeling things. Like I feel like there's some sort of cultural constricting around the term DAO totally. now. And totally. I almost like to keep it open canvas. So I've been playing just with like the network. What does the song camp network look like? So we definitely want to look at that later this year. And with that, probably coupled with it will be a camp four in the fall. And just like to share some of my early thoughts about it, I have no idea if it goes this way. Maybe it goes the exact opposite. But one question I'm asking myself is like, what does a camp look like with a thousand people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I mean by that is not, you know, the way we've done from 12 people to 42 people to now 80 people and then a thousand people. I think more like what is a camp of like a hundred different cohorts of 10 people look like? Is there a way to sort of productize or processify the creation of this experience of camp such that teams can sort of self-form and self-run as these sort of nodes within this wider context of camp four that has some sort of, you know, obviously economic and incentive wheel to it um, that also has an audience for it. So very kind of loose thoughts there, but that's like an idea that sounds exciting. (laughs) Totally. I also feel like, I mean, you can even play a role in people turning on their creativity or like producing something as a, as an artist for the first time, if a format like this exists, right? I think one of the things that's very powerful Mm -hmm. about, that's very powerful about hackathons in general is it's like detaches you from this idea of I have to like produce the thing like I'm building mm. I'm building like a company that's going to like go on for x many years into the future yeah. and yeah. no I'm just like doing a project for a month and we're going to like ship it totally. at the end and it's a self-contained thing and totally. just like what yeah. are the numbers of people who you know whether as a visual artist or as a musician like have that in them and just giving them that form factor in this like super exciting way would bring their expression through that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. I really love that. And yeah, it makes me think of the fact that like, you know, with these camps, at least the way they are right now, like they're curated, but they're curated on the front end, right? You get into the camp, then you make a thing, whatever you make is coming out. Like right. it doesn't work like the way the music industry does today, where it's like make a bunch of stuff and we'll curate on the back end. Like If your thing is a hit, it'll come out, you know? So I think that's powerful for musicians to be able to come into this thing and create with this sort of freedom of like, I know I'm part of this thing. It doesn't go right. forever. It goes for a certain amount of time, but what I create will be valued because it was created. And and do and you, do you, do you attach people's names to the songs that they contributed to publicly? Or is that also just kind of like totally fuzzed out? 
I think like we're still figuring out the metadata thing, but I think in the in the metadata of these of these music NFTs, it'll be in there. Um, yeah. You know who created or, or what the credits are to this music. But when you go on, like in terms of like the titling of the song and like that first kind of thing you see, like the artist will be chaos. Yeah, that is a. Or even playing with like what does a Web two release look like for this music? What does it look like on Spotify? What does chaos look like on Spotify? Totally. Like, could, like it just, other... could it just be an artist? I mean, this is a model that you see in, like, for example, there. Th this is like a bit of a jump, but there's this company called Deal, D-E-E, D-E-E-L, and it's basically an employer of record that, that operates globally. So if you're a startup based in the U.S. who's trying to hire someone in, I don't know, France, and instead of have instead of going and setting up a local you know operation there and interfacing with like French tax laws and insurance laws and, and all of that stuff, you kind of become a client of this company deal that has their own local operations all over the world and they will end up hiring this person on your behalf. And like this person's like payroll literally like shows up as like deal Inc is paying them out. And this is this wow. is actually a thing that Abram put me on to. And it's there there could be very interesting parallels to this in, in the web three world. That's really cool. First of all, it's just like a really cool idea and like company. But what, what is the connection you're you're making? Like I, I the, the I like connection, the connection I'm making yeah. is like maybe there is an artist called chaos and this artist has a presence, has a relationship with like record labels and with Spotify and um, that the interface that they see is just right, this single right. artist, but behind yeah. the scenes, there's like thousands of people who are like operating the different limbs of this totally. like character. Yeah. Yes. Kind of like exactly. Michaela too, right? Where there's like a whole team, sure. but then on Instagram, it's like one kind of persona. Yeah. Yeah. It gets interesting, you know, cause it's like, there's a few questions there of like, you know, thinking, yeah, we're trying to think through also, yeah. What is, what does a post camp chaos world look like? And, and what you just said is, is a beautiful one. And then also like artists, you know, in this camp, they've sort of, I mean, they're going through something very interesting. They also take like sort of this leap of faith or, or kind of create this sacrifice of saying, okay, I'm like sort of giving my, I'm giving my music or my, my music, music energy to the goddess of chaos, you know, <laughs> I'm like gonna put it there and then I'll be exposed to this pro project. But like it gets different. Like let's say one of the songs that's created by these three distinct people. Right, that right. song, yeah. What, what if that song gets like a sync in like an Apple commercial? Should like that revenue hit the chaos split, or should it hit those three people's wallets? You know, totally. So that stuff gets interesting. But like, on theory, it's like exciting to lean into just the full radicalized. Like everything is chaos. But totally. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's one of the very interesting explorations of yeah, what if someone and like these things follow power laws, right? So I imagine that songs follow the same pattern of like there will be one of these songs out of like the hundred that are produced that just gets 50x more listens than the next one. And yeah. then and then what do you do? Because on the, you know, on the on the zeitgeist side, we there's there's no kind of economic interactions happening behind, okay. between the participants, and 
my thinking has been that like that just gets uh can get very complicated and especially like on the like if you're like one i think it would be interesting to detach from this notion of we're building companies to we're just like building projects we're building like cool shit cool like experiments that we're putting out and some of these will take the form of like companies companies just yeah. like way too narrow of a term like if you Agreed. if you call something like coordinate a company it's like kind of demeaning <laughs> to what they're trying to build in a way yeah, um, yeah, yeah. right but so so there's uh, so anyways i think there's just more thought to be put into what a crypto native kind of economic structure for something like that could look like. But let's say, you know, one of the components of it could be some sort of a token swap, right? Like I feel like something like that feels right where you participate in this whole, you're getting value from everyone else. You're kind of like going through this experience together and you share some of your equity with this group. And in return, you get some equity back from them. And yeah. It'll be interesting because if you kind of like play this out five to 10 years, there will probably be, you know, one to one or two or three of those projects that outperform everyone else. Right. Yeah. And yeah. if you kind of put that question to people when they're first be beginning that journey, how do people think about it? Um, and I think it like it hooks into something interesting in the psyche of each individual person, like how they mm -hmm. kind of reason about that question. And I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I also feel like there's something like I think there is something just beautiful and poetic that we're doing here, you know, like thinking of it on purely business terms is losing something very meaningful in this whole equation mm. right 100%. like where you're yeah. not trying to you're not like exchanging your tokens or your equity because it's a good business move but because you're like going through this experience as a collective you know and you're gonna like help each other out and everything like that yeah 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 for sure i i agree it's almost like <laughs> the like in that sense like the token swap exists as like an excuse to care almost or not an excuse to care. It's like you already care. And it's like, how do I say this? It's almost like I relate to it in camp too. You know, I feel like when we're trying to build, when there's no money involved, things are very exciting. Let's say like, remove challenges of life and all this stuff, right? Like, for instance, in camp one, we had no expectation, right? We were just 12 people in a Discord wanting to make cool shit. So there was no friction. We just went and made cool shit, right? As soon as expectations and money and all these things came into camp two, friction arrives. Yeah. We almost want to like, we almost want to like share in the value that we're creating, but keep it as if it's like camp one and we have no expectations and there's no money involved because right. that keeps things clean. So it's like, how do you stay completely aligned to what you actually want to do, what you actually care about, and also <laughs> introduce money? Yeah, and I think solving for that like uh, spirit of play is is very much like at the center of 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 it all. You know, it kind of like I was I was I was tweeting this the other day because I I was listening to the music from Act One and Act Two, and I was like, man, I I feel like I can hear the fun people are having in this camp in the music. Yeah, like it just sounds fun, you know, totally. and that energy seeps through the like artifacts of that. There are totally. artifacts of that, you know, yeah. totally.
Well, man, it's it's super fun talking with you about all of this. I, I'm beyond really? excited about what you're doing.